You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Two weeks ago, we celebrated Pentecost, the birthday of the body of Christ, the church. In light of that celebration, And in the midst of these times in which we are living, times of uncertainty, of questioning, and of change, last Sunday we began a sermon series reflecting on what it means to be the church. As I previously mentioned last week, the biblical passage that we started from in Acts 2 is going to serve as our focal text as we consider our identity and our purpose as the church. So in case you forgot, here it is again from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. It reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Today, verse 42 is going to be our particular focus. This description of being devoted to the apostles' teaching is what we're going to be looking at to help us better flesh out this mark of what it means to be the body of Christ. We are going to reflect on a passage from Paul's second letter to his protege, Timothy. Here is our passage for the day from second Timothy chapter three. Let's listen carefully and let's listen closely. Good morning, Grace. Our scripture today comes from second Timothy chapter three, verses one to 17. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power having nothing to do with have nothing to do with such people they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sin and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth just as Jans and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected, but they will not get very far because, as in, this, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. 
You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What does it mean to be the church? From the brief picture painted in Acts chapter 2, as the Holy Spirit came and miraculously multiplied 120 followers of Jesus into over 3,000 in a single day, we witness several identifying marks that reflect the priorities of this new community later called the church. What we glimpse here are not optional extras in the journey of following Jesus. No, what we see here is the fruit of a genuine conversion of a life truly lived in Christ. And I would point out to us that there are five things to which these saints devoted themselves, five over the course of the next few weeks that we'll look at. The very first one that we're focused on today is this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's this same teaching that Paul appeals to as he writes to Timothy. The apostle Paul, writing from a prison cell in Rome, warns his young protege, Timothy, of the difficult days to come. In fact, most scholars believe 2 Timothy was written by Paul in the last days of his life. Paul had been imprisoned for the second time, after what we read about in the book of Acts, during the reign of the emperor Nero around 67 AD. Three years earlier had been the great fire of 64 AD, during which more than three-fourths of the city had been destroyed. Nero blamed the Christians for having committed arson and a time of fierce persecution and martyrdom for the followers of Jesus followed. Against this backdrop, Paul writes his final letter to one of his closest friends, someone he has mentored in the faith and developed into a leader of the church. And just to be clear, as Paul writes to Timothy about the last days, he does not mean the end times, as that phrase is so often used among Christians. Paul is not referring to some period in the future. The last days Paul is talking about is what is commonly called now the age of the church. The whole stretch of time from the day of Pentecost up to this moment and beyond until Jesus returns to make all things new. It's in the midst of hard and changing times of his own, an experience of which we ourselves these days are not unfamiliar with, in the midst of the growth pains of the body of Christ, that Paul offers Timothy guidance for the road ahead. And what is that guidance? After spending several verses outlining the kind of wheeling and dealing that Timothy should avoid, Paul's guidance mirrors the picture we see in Acts chapter 2 
of what it means to be the church, being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Paul writes these words, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And right after these words, Paul authors a very famous set of verses that many of us have memorized. Paul then writes, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Being devoted to the apostles' teaching means the scriptures, not just a collection of facts and figures, not just a bunch of Bible verses and Bible trivia, not a collection even of different books of the Bible. The devotion of the, the apostles' teaching means the gospel. The content of the apostles' teaching was the gospel, the sweeping singular story of God's loving creation of humanity, humanity's subsequent rebellion against God, and ultimately God's tireless, evolving, gracious work through all the chaos and death that our rejection of God leaves in its wake, all that work of God to redeem and restore all creation, including us. The gospel is the story of a promise ultimately kept by God coming down to be with us, to die for us, to raise us from the dead, to fill us with his presence, his spirit, and to lead us into full, abundant, and everlasting life, all through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. But then again, sometimes when we quote verses 16 to 17 here in 2 Timothy 3, when we talk of the Holy Scriptures, we tend to think in terms of reading and knowing a book known as the Bible. And while that's definitely the starting point, the Bible, it's not what Paul means here. And it's not what it means to understand when we hear the church being devoted to the apostles' teaching. It's not about a Bible they held in their hand. Remember, it's decades before what Paul writes here became a part of what we know as the Bible. All scripture for Paul when he was writing this letter meant the writings of the Old Testament, how the writings of the law and the prophets, the history of Israel and all the Psalms and wisdom literature anticipated and pointed towards the coming of Christ. But notice how Paul points to just more than this, more than just the word of God as it was written down at the time. Paul also in this passage tells Timothy to remember and to learn from his, from Paul's teaching, from his way of life, which is what part of what Paul and the other letters of the New Testament record for us, right? That's what completes what we now know as the Bible, how the apostles not only understood the gospel, but lived it out in their daily lives. So what's my point? Here it is. So often we reduce 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, and more broadly what it means to be the church reading our Bibles, being in the word of God and knowing the scriptures. But here's what I want you to understand. The true mark of the church, what it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching as we see in Acts 2, is not just to read our Bibles, but to live according to the word of God. This is what we witness through Paul's relationship with Timothy. In discipling Timothy, Paul hasn't just been quoting chapter and verse of the scriptures and then having Timothy memorize them. Paul has modeled for Timothy what it looks like when one's life, look at verse 10 in, in the second chapter, in this third chapter in 2 Timothy, in verse 10, Paul models what one's life, what one's purpose, faith, patience, hope, love, endurance. Paul writes even one's sufferings, what it looks like when they're being informed and shaped 
by the teachings, the example, the way of Jesus. In other words, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, as Paul later writes, is to be instructed, rebuked, corrected, and trained by the word of God. And one more time, that doesn't mean building our whole lives around our favorite life verse of scripture or even our preferred interpretation of the Bible as a whole. That's not what Paul is saying here. It means being instructed, rebuked, corrected, trained by the character and the purposes of God declared in scripture, through scripture, revealed through the teachings and the example of Jesus. In fact, Paul ends verse 17, did you notice this, by declaring both the point of us being given God's word as well as the evidence that we are following, that we are allowing God's word to shape and transform our life together. And what's the point? Why does God give us his word? So that we would be thoroughly equipped. For what? What's the evidence that we are living the gospel, following the way of Jesus? Being equipped and doing every good work. God gives us his word, the example of Jesus Christ, the presence of his spirit, not so that we can be intellectually satisfied or emotionally fulfilled, but so that we would be equipped to share the gospel and point to Jesus, to point to Jesus, not just with our words, but with our actions. That's why what we see in that picture from Acts chapter two, where we started today, continues well beyond verse 42 well beyond the devoted being devoted to the apostles' teaching. The first followers of Jesus don't just hunker down for a perpetual Bible lesson that goes on forever. No, it's out of their devotion to the teachings of the apostles, which again, was not just providing information about Jesus, but the apostles were modeling how to follow Jesus. It was through this, this devotion, that the early church, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, so powerfully impacted their surrounding neighborhoods. Everything we see comes out of that devotion to the apostles' teaching. And despite the initial picture we see in Acts chapter 2, as I mentioned last week, the early church of the apostles did not have it all together in terms of following Christ. They still had a lot to, to grasp and to learn in terms of what it means to not just believe the gospel, but to actually live it out, to live out the implications of it. I mean, remember, after Pentecost, it's not immediately clear to them that the gospel meant Gentiles as well as Jews were welcome into the kingdom of God. It's going to take some wrestling together with the word of God, in the word of God, keeping their eyes on Jesus through the, through the Holy Spirit that's eventually going to lead the church to understand that following Jesus means leaving behind their former traditions and practices like circumcision and food laws. So here's the thing. Today's answer for what it means to be the church is not, surprise, surprise, read or know your Bible. No, because Christianity isn't a Bible study knowing and understanding what the word of God says. Christianity, being the church, is a lifestyle, a life that is shaped and formed by abiding in Christ, a life that is shaped and formed by following Jesus in what we think, say, do, and how we engage, react, and respond to the world around us. What it means to be the church, what we see here in Acts chapter two, is that the, to be the church means that we're growing and maturing as the body of Christ. And growing and maturing as the body of Christ comes not just from reading or knowing the word of God, but from being developed and shaped to follow and live out the word of God, to be molded more and more into the image of Christ and to further his kingdom. If we miss this, 
We are liable to fall into the company of those whom Paul cautions Timothy to avoid in this passage. At the start of the passage, at the start of the chapter, Paul details a long list of awful characteristics. People who boast, people who are arrogant, people who are insulting, people who are disobedient, people who are ungrateful, unloving, unforgiving, treacherous even. But did anyone notice in verse 5 that Paul tells us exactly who he's talking about? Those people, Paul writes, have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Paul is talking about those within the church, not people out there, people in the church, those who say they believe in Jesus, but who demonstrate through the outworking of their lives, they are following something or someone else, but not the way of Jesus. Paul warns Timothy here of the tendency to believe without following to treat one's salvation in Christ as an accessory rather than the foundation of the meaning of one's life and purpose. Paul is cautioning Timothy to have nothing to do with Christians who talk a good game, who put out a good front, but in their motives, in their thought lives, in their words and their actions, in their relationships, are not being Christ-like. And again, by Christ-like, Paul doesn't mean that we all have to be perfect like Jesus. By Christ-like, Paul means being shaped and formed in how we actually live out our lives according to the way of Christ. My friends, once again, being the church means growing and maturing as the body of Christ through not just knowing the gospel, but living our lives according to the gospel the way of Jesus. And so the question becomes, are we growing and maturing as the church? Are we growing and maturing as the church? And I'm not talking about the number of people coming to church. I'm not talking about the number of people who call themselves Christians. Are we growing and maturing as the body of Christ in terms of our witness, in terms of our engagement with the world, Jesus came to die to save? Or are we stunted in our growth? Are we lacking? maturity. In these few months, these last few months, in these last two weeks even, we as the church have seen our share of opportunities to be Christ-like, opportunities to reflect the heart of Jesus, the person of Christ before a watching world. And my question is, who or what has the world been seeing through us? Is it the body of Christ? Are they seeing Jesus through us? Or have they over these last few weeks and months seen something else? My friends, before the reality of a global pandemic, whether we think it's overblown or not, a health crisis has infected more than 7 million people and has claimed the lives of nearly a half a million. And that tally, by the way, just keeps increasing. And in the midst of that reality, whatever you make of it, what has been the witness of the church? Have we been reflecting Jesus? A commitment to loving our neighbor, to putting the needs of others above our own, to getting down on our knees to wash the feet of others? Or have we been seen as just grumbling? Christians grumbling about having to wear a mask. Christians grumbling about and refusing to social distance. Christians finally just deciding to do whatever we want and telling others, I'm sorry, if you don't like it, you can just stay at home. In these last few weeks, as protests continue to be made for racial equality and for racial justice, after years, no, no, decades of not just one person of color, as if one were insignificant, but after thousands of people of color have wrongfully had their rights and their lives taken from them, what has been the witness of the church? Are we reflecting Jesus? 
Jesus who crossed racial and ethnic lines in the name of inclusion. Jesus who set a table of fellowship and invited others to it equally and freely. Jesus who dared touch, who dared speak up and defend those who had been silenced, those who had been marginalized and abused. Jesus who even stood in the way of those who sought to stone another person to death. Are we being Christ-like church? Or has our voice been muted? Have we silently watched as nothing has changed in all these years? Where has the church been in the face of the same injustices, the same abuses, the same wrongs, the same prejudices? Have we looked away? Have we just bothered not to notice the disparity in terms of how people of color continue to be treated in this world? Where is the presence of Jesus being reflected by his body, the church, my friends? Where is the presence of Christ being reflected when all Asians are suddenly declared guilty by association because of a virus that started in China? Where is the presence of Christ, church, when all Latinos are lumped together as illegal aliens that should be deported? Where is the presence of Christ when all refugees from Muslim countries are suddenly labeled as terrorists? Where is the presence of Christ when those who are black or brown rightly fear losing their lives just because of the color of their skin? We, as the church, should be the first ones speaking out and standing up for reconciliation and reform. We, as the body of Christ, should be offering our lives, our rights, our privileges for the sake of healing, for the sake of the peace of this world. That's what Jesus called us to do. And yet, what is shaping how we view these realities as the church? What is shaping how we view the brokenness of our world, of racism, of inequality, of injustice, of this pandemic? I'll tell you what I see. I see Christians posting and sending each other a lot of YouTube videos from commentators and statistics from this organization and that. I listen as Christians debate Debate the meaning and legitimacy of words like white privilege and systemic racism and the need for reform. I hear Christians calling and offering general prayers for peace, blanket prayers for peace, without being willing to first listen and to mourn with those who mourn, to enter into the grief of those who are suffering, who have been suffering not just in the last week or two because of the protests, but who have been suffering for years, for all their lives. I witness Christians shuffling their feet or throwing up their hands because they really don't know any people of color. They really don't know any people of color and therefore have no way of understanding that point of view. But you know what I don't see? You know what I'm not hearing? Much talk about Jesus. I hear a lot of politics. Man, I hear a lot of politics. I see a lot of personal opinions being thrown around. But where are our thoughts? Where are our ideas, our words? Where are our actions being formed by Christ? If we are followers of Jesus, if our first and primary allegiance is to Christ, then the word of God, the teaching of the apostles, the way of Jesus should be what informs and if needed, transforms, and in the end, ultimately directs how we live and engage this world. Not our politics, not our economic interests, not our personal opinions, not other people who feel the same way we do, 
What should be informing and guiding us in the midst of what's happening in our world is just Jesus Christ alone. If we aren't by the grace of God living the gospel we profess to believe in, if we aren't by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit following Jesus, becoming Christ-like in how we treat each other, then even as we may call ourselves Christians, we aren't growing. We aren't maturing together as the church. And my friends, if the church looks more like the world than it does Jesus, then the church is not being the body of Christ. It has become something else, something not of the spirit, something from our broken humanity. Beloved, we can't reflect Christ to a watching world apart from each other. We are called to be different, not to descend into the chaos and the confusion of a broken world, but thanks to the power of the resurrection, which we only celebrated but a few months ago, we are called to rise above the lines that divide us and to be united by the gospel of Jesus Christ. All humanity is broken. All humanity is broken and in need of God's grace. And the gospel is the only truth that both saves and unites us. It is the only good news that can reach our common humanity and in the midst of all of our God-given diversity, knit our souls together as one. To be united by the gospel though, it's not enough to believe it. To be united by the gospel, we have to live it. We were given the gospel to live it because when we're devoted to living the gospel, to being a spirit-filled body, rather than just a gathering of churchgoers. I don't wanna be a gathering of churchgoers. I wanna be a body. I wanna be Christ's body. When we're instructed, when we're rebuked, when we're corrected, when we're trained and equipped to do good works by following Christ, we become a growing, a maturing church. And a church that is maturing, that is growing in its God-given capacity is a church that can bring the world together, is a church that can change the world for the better. That's our destiny. That's what it means to be the church. We need to be a church that's growing and maturing, that's willing to be changed because it is only by being changed and conformed and transformed into the image of Christ that we can change this world for the better. Amen.